Praise the Lord. Glad to be in line and online with you and in the Word and all of that stuff. <laughs> Praise God. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Worship you, worship you, great King, Holy One. You're worthy of all our praise, glory, and adoration. Yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here, but we have to stay to bless you, Abba. Thank you, Father, precious Jesus. Thank you for bringing us home, bringing us to the Father. Hallelujah. Sharing your Father with us. He became our Father. We love you. We bless you. We worship you. We glorify your name. We lift up your name in all the earth. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Blessed be the name of the living God, both now and forevermore. Hallelujah. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're a faithful God. You'll do what you said. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to the King. Glory to the Most High. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy to receive glory. Worthy to receive praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Precious Jesus, we lift you up. Hallelujah. We consider you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Precious Jesus, thank you, our Father. We receive from your mercy today. We trust you for ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit has for us. Mentola majambra mikadoso proteveli veda risoya. Monoko parasika ramanda kalpataka shala krasaliati. Ha majabaranda labari este fideliste. We've come to the sixth month, O Lord. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're a faithful God. We trust you. We thank you, we bless you, we praise you, we worship you. Hallelujah. We open ourselves to you. Mesote mada brasile bebeliente. Nambraka makala lucusto prasiliente. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Precious Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're so grateful to know that we have been online and uh, managed to have meetings without stopping and breaking off. And God has been faithful. A lot of work has gone into it. It takes a lot of effort to 
get everything synchronized. But God is faithful. Hallelujah. Today, um, we will not have a Canada translation. People are caught up in one thing or the other. So we'll open up our Bibles again, if you don't mind, to Second Peter 1. And we'll read from verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. These benefits are multiplied to us through the knowledge of God. So it's interesting. Um, it's good to get a working knowledge of God's Word, and that's how the grace comes. Isn't that interesting? Peace comes with God and with man, and a general well-being, freedom from all conflicting you know, desires and things, gives you peace. Amen? So it's good to know what the Scriptures say. Let's also look in Isaiah 33 and verse 6. It talks about similar things. It says there that this knowledge shall be the stability of our times. Let's read that since it's Bible study. It says, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. So notice that the times that you're living in today are very unstable and shaky and everything is going through an upheaval as the earth prepares for another age. So we need to have stability in the midst of it all. And it says, knowledge shall be, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times, strength of our salvation. And the reverential fear of the Lord is our treasure. In other words, this is what we are after, this is what we pursue to get to love Him and reverence Him, get to know Him more and more. Praise God. And that's going to make you have a stable life in the midst of all of these things. So, praise God, you're not doing anything wrong. You are in the right place. I believe you're doing the right thing. Thank God. And so, we need to get a good knowledge, working knowledge of the Lord, and understanding and get the ability to choose properly in this time. Otherwise, you know, even salvation can be risky. You know, people are, are wondering whether they can be saved and whether they are truly saved. And uh, do we have to do uh, getting saved every day and all of these funny things. And especially with the uncertainty ahead and what's going on around, people can be very shaken, you know. And so it's good to get clear understanding during this time so you can keep your head on. So get, this is not in vain. We're not wasting our time. Grace is multiplied. Peace is multiplied through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, verse 3 continues. He says, According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory 
and virtue. Uh, King James says, called us to glory and virtue. Other versions say, called us by glory and virtue. The word is supposed to be by or through. However it is, the God who has called us is a glorious God. He's the Lord of glory and he's full of virtue or excellence or goodness. And he has called us, you know, by that glory and that virtue, that goodness unto himself so that we will attain that place that he has for us, the glorious place. Those of us who have accepted him have been translated out of darkness into the marvelous light. And we are in the glory and we're called into further realms of glory that we will experience so that uh, it shows up on the natural man. It shows up on the outside. So the Bible says that all these things have been given to us and it's, as known, it's known here as this, uh, His divine power, notice that, has given to us. Verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So the divine power has given us the divine nature. Praise God. Notice that His divine power has given everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we become partakers of divine nature. So God has called us to partake in himself, in his own nature. And as you take the promises of God, you're actually taking his own integrity, his personality, who he says he is, into the whole picture. You know, and when you do not believe that, you are you know, actually questioning his person, his integrity. <laughs> And that's, that's blasphemy, you know, that's, that's about the worst thing you could ever do. So we are hearing the word more and more, and as we hear, we are receiving the conviction, we are receiving the guarantee that what he said is final authority. You know, last week we saw that he said he's the Amen. He's the final authority, the faithful and the true witness. Hallelujah the origin of all creation. Praise God. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust or unbridled desires, just the man on the outside constantly drawing and leading you to do things. But thank God, when you accept this eternal life, which is the nature of God, you can tell the difference that on the inside of you, in your spirit, there's a new life. There's a new man, there's a new creation, and you don't have to be just a slave to the outward senses anymore. Praise God. Verse 5 continues, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, and verse 7 continues, Godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity or love. So we notice here these wonderful step-by-step -step qualities that have to be developed. And, uh, you know, it starts off in verse 5 by saying, giving all diligence add to your faith. So we must have 
basic understanding of faith and how faith is developed, how confidence in God is kept, which comes by hearing. And then there's, you know, diligence, giving all diligence. So there's work in all of this. I like what uh, John 6 says, the Lord speaking there in the 6th chapter of John. You may remember the conversation was all about the bread that came from heaven and all that. And in the 27th verse he said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him has God the Father sealed. Notice that. He said, don't labor for the meat that perishes, but he's saying labor for this eternal bread. Praise God. That which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of God gives. Amen. So there is labor involved, just like anybody goes to work. Uh, if you ask them, what are you going to work for? Well, I got to eat. You know, that's what they're going to work for. If they don't work, they don't eat. And that's a good principle. And, uh, you know, the work ethic in the scripture is very strong. And God recommends that. On the other hand, there's also labor for this bread. He said, don't just be laboring for the meat that perishes. But there's an eternal and enduring kind of bread and sustenance. Praise God. And Jesus has recommended that we labor for it. And there is labor involved in it. Anybody who thinks that this is just going to automatically develop on the inside of you is living in a pipe dream setting. I'm telling you, but there is work. And Jesus recommends the work. It may be, uh, you know, unusual type of work, but it's work. Then said they unto him in 28, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered, verse 29, and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Praise God. So you can see that all of this work is about believing in the Lord Jesus, believing in that life, believing in that person. Everything that we do and everything that we are is about Jesus. That's our life. Our life is in Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. Our full expression is in Him. And believing that and believing Him, believing in Him, understanding who He is and getting to know Him is the labor. Praise God. And so we're dealing with a person here. He's in the word form. And there's a written word given to us here. And he's the living word. As we understand and study and meditate prayerfully, the Spirit of God unveils the living word to us. And we fellowship with him. And we enjoy his life. So there is work involved. And Jesus told us to work and uh, give ourselves to that labor. So we add to our faith in the promises, virtue, or excellence. And then we move along like that till you get to love, which is the spending of yourself for God and for others. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed the Sunday service with Brother Anup, you know, talking about the tall order of the love of God. It's definitely a tall order. But God will never ask you to do something that 
you are not equipped for. Amen. So through these understandings and revelations that are coming, we take hold of that nature on the inside of us and we speak it out, act upon it, and we begin to see it affecting the man on the outside. Praise God. Exceeding great and precious promises allow us to partake of the divine nature, allow us to now develop, praise God, and become a person who is looking for a way to be a blessing rather than just someone who is about just me, 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 just being a taker. Hallelujah. But we are not going to be led by our senses and our feelings anymore, but we're going to be led uh, by the nature of God on the inside of us, in our spirits, and we're going to be open to His Spirit. Amen. So as you develop there, he says, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness. As you increase in the knowledge of God, it affects uh, something called temperance or self-control. It begins to work from inside. You know, you're controlled by what you know from inside. As I understand who I am, really, I'm a spirit being. I'm not just a physical being. I begin to notice that the man on the outside or the five senses don't have to control me anymore. So in other words, I'm controlled from inside because of the knowledge and the understanding of who I am on the inside. Praise God. And that came to us through the promise. Those who believed in Him received that eternal life. And now we are moving into another realm of living all together. You know, before this great salvation came to us, people would speak differently. For instance, if you look in John 3, where he mentions the term born from above, in John 3 it says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, which means born from above in this actual verse, that's where we came from. We're not from here. Your body came, it looks like, from just this natural family line born on the earth. But that's what give you, gives you citizenship down here. Praise God. That's what makes you live on the earth. So we're born from above. He says he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, he says, Nicodemus, who was a great teacher there, respected teacher, came uh, in the night to ask some questions of Jesus. People say he was a secret believer or whatever. That's okay. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he was talking about a spiritual birth here, being born of the Spirit of God. He continues, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born from above or born again. He talks about the wind and how the wind blows. And verse 9 says, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Notice the question, how can these things be? So until you accept Jesus and get saved, 
You know, your questions are like this. How can these things be? What do you mean born again? I mean, there's nobody like that. I mean, uh, who's this born again guy and born from above? How can these things be? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, or thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. Notice he's referring to himself in the plural there. We speak, you know, our witness. And he said, you are not receiving it. If I had told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? <laughs> well, praise God. And no man ascend ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Glory to God. So Jesus said, I've just been telling you earthly things and you're not accepting it. What about if I tell you heavenly things? So we're being uh, opened up to heavenly things. Um, praise God. And we should just say, all right, if Jesus said it, nobody else has gone up there. Only he has come down from there. So he knows what he's talking about. Amen. Moses was lifted up. Notice that, or rather Moses lifted up the servant in, I mean serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You may remember that Old Testament story that actually happened. Moses was instructed to make a serpent out of brass and put it on a pole. And whoever looked upon that serpent or that, you know, whole thing, they would be healed. A plague would be stopped and all that stuff. So in a similar manner, Jesus was going to be representing our sin nature, hanging on the cross, and uh, whoever believed on him would receive eternal life. It was that simple. Praise God. So are you saved or are you saved? <laughs> you know, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life praise god so the life of god has been put into the person who believes that jesus bore his sin paid the price and rose again the third day hallelujah confessing that lordship over your life gives you eternal life verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How about that? For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Glory to God. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Wow. It's that simple, isn't it? People try to complicate issues because of a lack of knowledge. And Jesus has plainly said it, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting or God kind of life put into them. They get the nature of God on the inside, in their spirits. Hallelujah. Do you have the nature of God in your spirit? Then your spirit is saved. The rest of you 
is going to be changed through knowledge and understanding and taking a hold of what he has put on the inside. Praise God. So my brother, my sister, Jesus is trying to explain very plainly there to a person who's not used to all of this, just like maybe we were not used to it. He said these were earthly things. What about if I tell you heavenly things? We'll look at another similar story. Let's go to um, Luke, the first chapter. And we observe here, this is the story of uh, the Virgin Mary, when the angel comes to her and talks about how, you know, her cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant and all of that, and how she's going to conceive a child that's going to be the Son of the Most High. In verse 32, He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Hallelujah. <laughs> then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I know not a man? So it's a similar kind of question. How shall this be? How shall this thing be? So when you're in the natural realm, until you get saved, these are the kind of questions that probably rise up. And our natural man is full of these kind of thoughts. How shall this be? How will I be provided for? How am I going to get healed? How am I really, am I really saved? How can this be? How can this be that God will take care of me in the middle of all of these uh, funny things going on, these strange things, amazing and scary things that are going on in the earth? All these things are the natural man talking. And uh, we have to get a hold of ourselves and realize that we don't have to ask those kind of questions again and again. Let's get ready to accept heavenly things. Praise God. Jesus came from heaven, and He has the answer for us. Praise God. So she asked the question, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? 35, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. <laughs> the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Praise God. And your cousin Elizabeth is conceiving... And she has a son, blah, blah, you know, six months and all of that. Praise God. So um, there could be thoughts arising because you have a natural man also. The natural man, the Bible says, uh, receiveth not the things of the Spirit for their foolishness unto him. That's in 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter. But um, verse 6 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. We have a glory story ordained for us, planned for us, huh, before the world began. Did you notice that? Before the age, before time. It's amazing. God has been thinking about you and how to bring you to the glory, how to give you His own glory, His own nature, His own life. 
Verse 8 says, Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. These are so amazing, amazing, amazing things, which natural people find hard to understand. Praise God. But God has revealed them to us, not the natural man, by His Spirit, the Spirit people, the born-again person, the believer, by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Hallelujah. Verse 12 says, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Wow. Did you see that? Freely. Jesus was given to us freely, and His life was given to us freely. Everything about Him was given to us freely. And the Spirit of God wants us to know those things and receive those things. Hallelujah. Verse 13, which things also we speak. It has to be spoken, it has to be released. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, you know, they asked the questions, how can this be? How can this be? That was all the natural man. But God reveals them to us by His Spirit. We speak another kind of wisdom. Hallelujah. Verse 14, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Glory to God that we have the Spirit of God, and we have a born-again Spirit that came from heaven with the very life and nature of God. Praise God. And verse 16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of the Anointed One himself. We have his thinking, we have his ability, we have his life, we have his nature through that special promise that we just accepted when God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son and said, just receive, just accept. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. I love you. And we who have accepted him are called the believer, the church the special ones, the called out ones, the chosen ones, the chosen generation. We are called special people. And he calls us kings and priests because he's the king of all kings and he's our great high priest. Amazing. And all that just happened like that. All we did was accept it. It's amazing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ah, I tell you, our natural man struggles with these things because he's used to some other processes. He's used to the wages of working. And the wages of sin is death. All he's supposed to receive is death. So he's like, how can I receive anything else? You mean you're going to give me some other kind of salary, another kind of payment? I don't expect anything else. I work and I get death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's a gift. You accept it. Instead of the wages of sin, you get a gift for free without working. God did not need your help because you could not help yourself. You needed a savior. You needed someone else to come in your place. We needed someone else from another realm to be born into the earth and be born of a virgin so that he could finish the job for us, take our place and freely give us his own life. Hallelujah. So are you saved? Or do you have to keep saving yourself every day? Get it. Try to open up your heart and yield to this. Tell the natural man that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. But thank God, there's a part of you that is spirit. And you must accept spirit thinking. You have the mind of the Christ. You have another mind inside there. But you need to accept that and you need to yield to that. Hallelujah. You need to be able to, you know, go to a good church and hear something. And I, I want you to really go where you can hear something good. Hebrews 11, the third verse says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Notice what it says, Through faith we understand. You don't understand by putting two and two together and going to the mathematics, you know, uh, rigmarole of all the science and stuff. That's not how we understand the things of God. We understand the things of God through faith, through the Word of God being heard over and over and over, accepting the integrity of God that He cannot lie, He never changes. So you have to go studying the Bible just by a uh, number of times something is said. You see, it's not a very big book. It's a rather small book. And so if God claims that he wrote that book, and that's the only volume he could write, spanning all those years, and therefore he has very little space to work with, therefore you have to just agree by common sense that if he repeats something a couple of times, then that is important. So you have to go with verses that are said over and over, over the whole volume. So that is how you're going to build yourself up on the integrity of God. And God said himself that he does not lie five times in the scripture, and he never changes. So uh, you need to get a hold of these truths. It doesn't matter what your natural man and other natural-minded people are saying. The sense realm cannot receive the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to him. And sadly, we have a natural man also. He, that's the guy that pays the bills. That's the guy that looks at the receipts and checks to see if the speed is correct and whether there's oil in the car. That natural man. But then there's another person also who is not a natural man, who has the very mind of the Christ. Hallelujah. And he has the life of God on the inside of him, which he received through promise of the integrity of God, a promise between God the Father and God the Son. And you were in between, and they paid for you completely and embraced you in their hands and said, you are forever in their hands, and that no one can take you out of their hands. How much more 
do you need to hear? We do sometimes need to hear. When things are very shaky out there, when all kinds of lying things are being spoken, because in the last days there will be false prophets and false teachers who are brought in, and there's going to be a lot of deception going on out there. So you need to know the truth, and you need to build yourself up on the truth so that you are not tossed to and fro with every chance wind of doctrine that's out there, but growing up in the truth, growing up in the love of God. Hallelujah. So that's why we're here. That's why we think that it's so valuable because uh, God thinks it's valuable. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Hallelujah. Can you see all this is, is so plainly written? And uh, I, I'm just, um, you know, blessed to be able to read it out even and just ponder about it and, and just talk about these things. Thank God, you know, it's the truth. Let's go to the book of Acts and observe in Acts chapter 20. Uh, Paul is on his way out finishing um, he's not coming back in the same path that he's going. He wants to go to Jerusalem and then on to Rome and all that. He had a very special heart for Jerusalem. So he had to call the elders of the churches in that area to a special place called Miletum. And there he decided to have a meeting with them. And he pours his heart out there. And it's worth reading. Constantly, you know, you see his spirit, you see the kind of person he was. And I'm going to read from verse 20. He says, um, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews, to the Greeks, repentance towards God, faith towards our Lord Jesus. Behold, I go bound in the spirit, and so on. And so he goes on, as you keep reading, you will notice, you will see my face no more, verse 25 says, take, wherefore, 26, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You see, Paul said that he can just relax and sleep peacefully because he did not hold back any of these truths that he learned from the Spirit of God, he committed it to people. And so that's what we plan to do, to commit all these things to people who will listen to them and receive them, and then we are pure from their blood. Praise God. 28 continues, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. So we need to understand here that Jesus purchased the church. He purchased the sheep. He owns them. Our job is to feed them, to build them up, to give them the best diet possible. And I believe that God will help us to do that. So that's why we're here today, basically obeying that, Scripture. Even we heard on Sunday, Brother Anup there was pastoring away as he said those verses. 
You know, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed, feed, feed the sheep, feed the lambs. That's it. He has not changed. He's the same God. Now he's speaking through Paul, who did not see him physically like Peter, you know. He's now talking to him by revelation and he's telling him the same thing. And Paul is now telling us who are available today. You know, Paul is in heaven and all of them have gone back. Now it's our turn. He's saying, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Number one, you better be concerned about yourself. If you don't live properly, if you don't live long, if you're not able to be strong, then you're not going to be able to help anybody else. Amen? Yourselves, and then to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God. They are not really my church. They are not really my flock. They are His flock. So I need to feed them, and I need to account to Him about them. Those who hear and receive, I give an account. Those who do not hear, I give an account. Amen? So do your best, even during this time when we are not so um, able to gather physically. Try to tune in and listen and see whether the Spirit of God is talking to you, feeding you. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, this is how it is. It's, it's the Bible. So you need to be fed. And as, as long as I'm alive, I, I believe those who are with me too would say the same. We will do our best by the Spirit of God, by the help of God, to feed the flock. To bring the best, most delicious meals and offer them. Hallelujah. But the eating thereof is up to the sheep. And I cannot force the sheep. They are not my sheep. I will pray for them. <laughs> it's really tricky when you think about it. You know, I can't force anybody to eat. I can cook and present it. But the, the, the sheep have to eat. The person has to eat. He has to look at it and say, yeah, I'm going to eat this. And so that's how these things are. It takes a lot of pressure off also. Because when you realize that uh, that's how it is. You, you, cannot, you cannot curse people and kick them out and all of that stuff. They're not your sheep. <laughs> so, you know, we are enjoying a place of freedom there knowing that they're his sheep, but on the other hand, there's a lot of uh, duty also to make sure that you are feeding them what the Spirit is saying. So we have to pray and study and make sure that we're hearing from God, and we trust God that we are hearing from Him. So my question to you today is, are you saved? Or are you in the process of getting saved? Or I don't know what your answer will be to all that. But the Bible says, through faith we understand. And I believe through faith you understand that if you call upon the name of the Lord, if you choose that He died for you, He took your sin, He rose again the third day, ascended on high, seated at the right hand of the Father, and if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you're saved. Hallelujah because of what He has done. So you need to think about that. 
and see whether you're a believer or you're a doubter. There may be doubts from the natural man, just like Nicodemus and Mary. How shall this be? How shall this be? But you need to accept that it's by faith you understand. And once you can accept that this person that you never saw, you never met, never went to his address, no, had no picture or photo of him, that according to his word, he died for you, he paid the price for you, he took your sin, and you accepted it, and you are saved, you'll have to believe that. That's the believer's faith, and it comes to us through the word of God, and I believe you've heard the word. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's go on. Notice here, back in Second Peter chapter 1, whereby, verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these thing, things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He that lacks these things is blind and cannot see far off, has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So this is talking about a believer now who does not follow through in this step-by-step -step ascending out of the saved life and developing and beginning to live as a blessing to others, this person can get into a place where he's blind. Remember the church that we talked about last week? They thought they were so great, and he said they were blind. So a church can actually become blind if they do not develop along these steps. And they cannot see far off. They also have a memory problem. They forget that they were purged from their old sins. In other words, they think that they are still the old man guilty. Hallelujah. But verse 10 says, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make. Notice the word diligence or labor. Put all effort into it. To make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. In other words, these things are going to affect uh, your calling and why you were chosen of God. You have to develop this and step up there. Verse 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice here he's, he's saying that you will reach heaven even if you don't go up these steps. But you have a different kind of entrance. Are you getting this? Suppose you're a believer that does not develop all these things. You're going to get there, but your life is not going to be in that place of fulfillment and accomplishment in God. You may never accomplish what you were created for. You may not live out the full number of your days. Uh, you reach there, but you don't have the entrance that you were supposed to have. 
that God would have ministered to you. God would have actually welcomed you differently. You see, that's what we are uh, concerned about. Not just getting there, but getting there with a special kind of uh, entrance where you're ministered to abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is uh, where we are. We are. We are reaching for those kind of things. We are believing for those kind of things. And so we'll have to add to our faith in the promises, virtue, and then knowledge and self-control will develop, you see, temperance and then patience standing there until the promise comes to pass. It doesn't matter. You know, God did not reduce the time based on any uh, favoritisms. Abraham waited until he could believe God. He waited. But the day he accepted that God was able to do what he had promised, I believe the process began that day. He wasted some years doing things from his natural mind, you know, having uh, Ishmael and all of that stuff, going down to Egypt and coming back with Egyptian stuff, including Hagar. You know, you can't just move by your senses. I know that the senses are beckoning all of us, wanting us to make decisions from the sense realm, but that's quite dangerous. It can prolong the reception of the promise of God. It can waste your time. So you really need to be able to tune in and not be directed by what the flesh and the senses are saying. Uh, Abraham decided to follow and just go down that way. And he went down, the Bible says, he went down to Egypt. He literally went down. And then when he came back, Egypt was stuck with him in the form of Hagar. You know, and uh, that was his main problem for a long time. Until today, we can see the effect of that, see? So <clears throat> we have to be careful, God help us, so that we are not moved by what the senses are saying, but we are moved by the promise of God and uh, the, the mind of the Christ. We'll have to meditate and ponder about these things, even though everything seems to be so flaky and shaky out there. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, God help us, giving all diligence. You'll have to work with this, have to work with the scripture prayerfully. Then the entrance is different. Verse 12 says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So he's saying, even if you are someone who knows the truths about the church, a believer who knows these things, notice that, if he does not comply and step forward, step by step, he can actually become blind. And he can actually forget that God has done such a great work and finished certain things of the old man. He doesn't have that nature anymore. He may actually think that he has that old nature. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Praise God. So he says, you need to be reminded. You know, you have to hear it again and again. And that's why, you know, sometimes we may sound a little funny going over these things. But that's exactly what Peter was talking about. Can you see that? 
That's not your problem. You follow me. When you grow, someone's going to take your hand and lead you. And this he spoke about the death which he was going to go through. So the Lord had told him how he was going to die and all that. He knew he was leaving. Then he says in 15, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. <laughs> how are you going to do that? Well, has some thoughts about it. I'm sure the Holy Spirit is the one who is going to bring these things to our remembrance because Jesus said He will remind you of whatever I've spoken. Amen? But then there are also some scriptures that give us some ideas. So let's go down that path a little and just ponder. Um, let's go to First Chronicles. You may remember um, the dedication of the temple, how David had poured out so much wealth and there was so much free giving that day it was a sight to behold and uh, it was so awesome that in the giving and the joy and the rejoicing and the freedom you know he was so overwhelmed and he prayed this prayer in first chronicles 29 verse 18 and he said "O lord god of abraham isaac and of israel our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. Did you see that? He said, please just do a Kodak moment here, click this thing and keep it forever in the imagination. So God can do that. Don't you think that God can actually uh, continue to remind you of something because of a prayer? I believe Peter would have prayed, even as he said, I will endeavor to make sure you remember these things. So he would have said, Lord, I want you to remind them of these things, even after my decease. So I believe that you and I have picked up this thread from the Holy Ghost, and, uh, you know, he's building up our imagination and uh, building up our lives and our thoughts upon these things so that we have a different entry to the everlasting kingdom. Amen? So, um, this is interesting. Don't you think so? Another thought. Let's go off to Hebrews. And um, let's read there in chapter 11. Very beginning parts there. We read verse 3. Let's go to 4. He says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Ah, interesting. So someone can be dead and still speak. How can that happen? So Peter is saying, for instance, by faith I can still speak to you after I'm dead. So he would have said, Lord, I believe I can still speak to these people. He would have demonstrated some faith in these 
uh, written scriptures that God has respected and responded to. Because the Bible says God testified of Cain and what Cain did and what Abel did. If you read Genesis chapter 4. So God can see all these things and he responds to them if they are done in faith. Are you getting it? So I believe that that is why you and I are just going through these things over and over and over. I believe that the faith that Peter expressed, that even after his decease, he would make sure that we get to think about these things. <laughs> we caught it because we are faith people. Click. We got a hold of it also and said, mm, yes, this man's faith is still talking to us, even though he's gone even though he's in heaven, by faith, we are receiving the instruction. Praise God. Just some thoughts there, you know. And so, praise God. God is still the same. He's the God of Cain and Abel. He's the God of faith. He has not changed. He'll never change. Verse 6 says, Without faith is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there is, there is labor there. There is diligence. And he notices it. And he observes your work, your labor of love, your work of faith, your patience. He said, I have seen your works. I know your works. Hallelujah. He's not changed. He, he was walking through the church individuals. And saying all of that stuff. I know your works. I see what you're doing. So praise God. Let's just do our best to live in front of Him. Do all these works so that we're seen of Him. Even though uh, man may not see it. Or man may see it. That's not our problem. Let's make sure that God sees what we're doing. So that we can get rewards from Him. Hallelujah. That which pleases Him. That's what's most important. So it has to be by faith. It has to be based on the development that is written here. Where you're looking away from yourself. You're looking towards being a blessing on the earth. Hallelujah. <laughs> we live in strange times. I remember when faith is very powerful. Faith is so powerful. You know, I remember when uh, I first began to get in touch with how our people here, you know, in India, you can hear them if they're brushing their teeth next door. The, all the noises they make and, you know, after brushing their teeth, they spend hours scraping their tongue and throwing up or whatever. You hear all these noises. But have you noticed you don't hear such things anymore? Nobody even coughs. Because they know it's not popular to cough now. It could mean that people will come and cart you away, you know. <laughs> Those are the times in which we live. Because I used to think, what are they doing, man? What is that noise, you know? <sighs> you know, all these things. <laughs> but I don't hear that anymore. I don't hear any such thing. You know, people used to be so quick to spit here and there. I don't notice too much spitting. Once in a while I see a guy do a spit, you know. But, you know, who said that the man on the outside cannot change? He can change. You just need to put the right pressure on him, he'll change. <laughs> but our pressure must be from inside out. 
praise God, not from outside. There's work that we do between our spirit and our mind and then affecting our body. And the main work is the work of believing and speaking. Hallelujah. And as we take a hold of this, things are very different. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Praise the Lord. Look at, for instance, um, some thoughts. Let's go to, um, let's go over to Psalms 27. Psalm 27. Notice verse 1. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do you know this is actually exactly what he has done? Even then till today, this is all that he has done. Today, the Lord is your light. The Lord is your salvation. The Lord is your strength. It's not anything you have done or I have done. He became our salvation. He became our strength. He became our light. And so he says, if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? If God has done all these things, and if God has become all these things unto us, then there's no more fear. You don't have to be afraid. The fear can just go out. See, the life of God has actually come on the inside of us. That light, that life has come inside. Eternal life has come to us. The Lord is the light. The Lord is the life. The Lord has come inside us. And so you don't have to worry whether you're going to lose that. Amen. Now if you don't develop and look outwards and how to be a blessing towards others, then what happens is that you don't get the rewards and the entrance that you're supposed to get and you're going to carry that forever. And forever is a long time. And Peter knows that. The Spirit of God knows that. And so they love us so much, it's hard for us to understand how much heaven loves us. One day the Lord said, I love you. You know, it just kind of rocked me for some time. It can rock you. You need to get used to that. Hallelujah. You need to be so sure of that. He, he needs to, you need to just study it, ponder about it until you hear that yourself. Hallelujah. It comes from the scripture. It comes by praying over it and accepting it, saying it, and then you will know that he loves you. You have to believe the love that God has towards you. And that drives away the fear. That drives away everything else. But, you know, it takes a little time, especially in this day and hour, you know, we may have to work on it. Because you can become short-sighted, you can forget, you can actually become blind or myopic about these things. Hallelujah. But imagine the same God of Philippians 2 for a minute. Observe there with us. Let's go to Philippians, the second chapter. And observe there, verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Who's working? God. Can you imagine God actually inside there, working and willing inside us, so that <laughs> we can have what is the best, God's own pleasure, God's own target. Wow. 
God is working in me. God is working. God is the strength working in me to will and to do his good pleasure. What kind of person is this? He puts his own life into you and then he's working in you both to will and do his good pleasure. As I accept that and think upon it, ah, God's working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Look at Philippians also, the first chapter. Observe there the sixth verse. Being confident. He says, we need to develop confidence in it. Of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the day we see him face to face. I need to be confident. I need to be sure. I need to be so assured. I need to be able to say it again and again. He's working in me. He began the good work. He's performing it. He's going to make it will and to do exactly what he planned. Till the day of Jesus, he's working. Praise God, you see. So he's going to make that calling, that election sure. He's working in me. He doesn't leave you to just work. It's by meditating and speaking and thinking about these things that you notice um, it's a new kind of labor. It's another kind of labor. He's working both to will and do his good pleasure, being confident, being convinced of this very thing, that same thing, this thing, that he which has begun a good work in you, he is faithful. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Lord is my life. He's my light. He's my strength. He's my salvation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is the God who allowed David to get so accurate with that stone that it went into the head of that Goliath found the exact spot. That was him strengthening, guiding, leading, because he said, in the name, praise God, he acknowledged that it was the Lord who was going to use his hands, not himself. He said, I'm not trusting in the, in the sword. I'm not trusting in the horses. I'm trusting in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So we, we begin to acknowledge that it is not our strength. Paul got so affected by it, he said, Now I will boast in my infirmities, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. So the man on the outside tries to help. <laughs> and uh, it's better that you tell him, Don't worry about it. God is your strength. God is the strength. He is working in me, both to will and to do what he wants. I'm going to finish that target. I'm going to accomplish what I was created for. God is working in me. Hallelujah. Observe, it is written also, again in Philippians, the fourth chapter, and the twelfth um, verse there, verse 13 rather, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The Lord is my strength. Of course, the context here, strictly speaking, is about how he didn't have to be moved by 
external supply. He didn't care whether people were going to be behind him or not, were going to be source for him or not. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm not depending on whatever external sources. God is my supply. We're grateful for your gifts, you know, your offerings and all of that. We're so glad you're able to get involved and, you know, back us up and, you know, put your money into it and all that. But ultimately, it's God who has called us and God will supply all our needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, what has happened here is that the Lord, who is now your strength, your light, your salvation, He now fills you with that reality and then it affects you and then affects others. Hallelujah. He now fills you in such a way that it affects other people too. With that same strength, with that light, with that salvation, it now begins to go out there so that you are so full of that that you are able to fill the church, you are able to fill the world. You can feed and strengthen the church and you can also impart life to the unbeliever out there. Because that which is on the inside, the spirit man has permeated and affected everything about you. Praise God. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Elijah was a very interesting man, but he had some problems. And so James talks about him. James uh, does not highlight him as a prophet, but instead he calls him the man. He said, the man Elijah. And Elijah was a man of like passions as we are, yet he prayed. And then he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, you know. And so that man had mood swings and, you know, emotions and all kinds of challenges. But still, God was working in him, both to will and do his good pleasure. And that man stood in front of furious kings and false prophets and declared on that mountain that they could just build altars and he would build and he would call and the God who answers by fire, let him be God. I mean, that man just got so moved by God and God honored him and sent fire from heaven that licked up the sacrifice, gallons of water, four barrels of water, licked up the rocks, Praise God, the God who answered by fire, honored him in spite of his humanness. The man on the outside. See, so imagine today we are born again, new creatures. We have emotions, we have all those feelings. But God is working in us, both to will and do his good pleasure. And we are confident that he who has begun this good work in us, he is faithful. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before that throne with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. That's our God. That's, that's the person that we are dealing with. And um, we need to keep this at the forefront of our thinking constantly. Let's go to Romans the 8th chapter again. Observe there. I'll read 
from verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate or destinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Notice you've been predestinated before time began. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. And he planned for you that you would actually become just like Jesus himself and that you would eventually be enjoying the glory of God. Hallelujah. That's your target, to be glorified, to live the glorified life. Praise the Lord Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Back with me again. Let's go to well-known scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, let's go to the 11th verse. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now this is interesting. This is what he's planning for us, he says. He says, I have thoughts towards you, thoughts for good, not evil, to give you the expected end to give you a future, to give you a hope, to bring you to the expected end. All kinds of versions say these things, you know. So um, is it going to be based on what you expect or is it going to be based on what God expects? You'll have to be able to uh, handle, you know, both of those expectations. Hope is an image. It's a vision. It's a dream. It's something that you see based on input. So if you are moved by the world, you have a certain hope, maybe quite hopeless. But if you are moved by the promises of God, you get another hope. And the biblical definition for hope is a happy, confident expectation. So by definition, it cannot be sad. It has to be happy. So we have to now understand in the context of God speaking, He says, my thoughts for you are based on my own character. And his character is to give us happy expectation. Happy expectation. So I have to put up my expectation into the happy mode. You see? And then he's going to make sure he's working in me both to will and do that and bring it to pass. In the midst of all of this stuff, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I must have an expectation. What expectation do you have? You know, sometimes just by nature you can go and work with equipment in the lab. For instance, there's, you know, weighing machines and little equipment like that that you have something called uh, zeroing the instrument. You know, you have to bring it to the exact zero and all that. Sometimes I, I do a zeroing. I check what's the worst that could happen. And with God, you're already out of that because He's your strength. He's your life. <laughs> He's your salvation. He's your light. He has become all things. He has become wisdom, sanctification, redemption. God made Him to become all that for us. So the Lord has become all of these things. And there's no failure in the Lord. There's no bad news in the Lord. There's only good news in the Lord. Jesus has become everything to us. Hallelujah. 
So observe. If you can imagine, how did you get saved? You called on the name of Jesus, right? You didn't just have this um, strange, generic kind of prayer where it was just God, I believe God, I believe God, and that was that. No, you had to call in a particular person who paid the price for you, who said, whoever calls upon his name, there's no other name given under heaven whereby men will be saved, the name of Jesus. When you called on the name of Jesus, aha, from your heart, believing what the scripture said, you got saved. It's about that person, that name. That name is where it all is. And you have the right to use that name. And in the name of Jesus, all of these realities happen. It is in Him. It is in Jesus. It is in His name. Hallelujah. So, go with me please. As you can remember, Acts chapter 4 says there in the 12th verse, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name. There's no other name. Hallelujah. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> Just ordinary fishermen, ordinary, you know, small town folk have become endued with the life of God, Jesus. Eternal life is Jesus. Hallelujah. Go with me please to John 17. So all that we are boasting about is Jesus. <laughs> John 17 says, verse. let's read verse 2 also. This is Jesus praying here. And you learn a lot from this prayer. Verse 2 says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh. God the Father gave Jesus power over all flesh. That he should give eternal life. To as many as thou hast given him. So we were given by the Father to Jesus. And eternal life has been given to us by Jesus. Verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Notice that this is eternal life. Jesus and His Father, the life of God, and this person, and this name. Hallelujah. Go with me also to 1 John. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Let's go to chapter 5 of 1 John. Look at uh, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his son Jesus Christ this is the true God and eternal life Woo, glory to God hallelujah understanding 
scripture, understanding what God has said, understanding these realities, that's eternal life. Understanding Jesus, the name of Jesus, the precious promises, that's eternal life. Hallelujah. Getting to lean on this rather than your natural man and natural understanding, that's the experience of eternal life, God's kind of life. So you could say that if you're thinking like this, prayerfully pondering like this, you're enjoying eternal life. <laughs> Before you go to heaven and live in heaven, you know, you're already enjoying that down here. You're, you're in another reality. It's very real. But it's, it's not what, you know, people out there can see, except maybe an occasional glimpse at your eyes and your smile or something. And then they notice something unearthly about this person. <laughs> Hallelujah. Notice that. And we are in Him that is true, even in the Son, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This is the true God. So understanding what it means to be in Him is eternal life. Praise God. It will be nice to just go over these things again and again, say them to yourself. You know, there's a prayer that we pray constantly in the prayer pockets, and I believe it is working, and that's why we are, you know, doing all of these things. And among those prayers is a prayer that says that we may, you know, be counted worthy of Him. You know, that we may be aware of what it means to be in Him. Wow. And so God is answering that prayer. The grace of God is making it happen. And I know that that's why you and I are meditating on these things, pondering out these things, because we have not stopped praying those prayers, and we are never going to stop praying those prayers. Hallelujah. Do you know, the Bible actually says in the book of James that is any sick among you, you know, let him call for the elders of the church, Pray over him, you know, anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. If committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. All that is there. And then earlier to that, I believe, in the 12th and 13th verses, it says something like this. It says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Then he says, Is any sick among you? In other words, the natural procession of church and individuals in church and believer lifestyle is that you have to develop your own prayer life. You need to be able to lean on Him, trust Him, develop a life leaning on the Lord as your strength, your life, your salvation. In Him you live and move, have your being. And then if you are not doing that and you're not able to put your faith in Him, and you cannot stand solely on Him, of course, you can call for the elders of the church, and they will lay hands and so on. You know, I'm so glad that by the grace of God, this church is growing in a way that they're able to believe God for verses, for words spoken over the airwaves, and they're receiving for themselves. Hallelujah that we don't have to come and physically lay hands on you. Praise God. I believe that you are a good church. You're a strong, growing church. 
Hallelujah. You're learning how to pray and pray properly. And you're getting the right kind of meals and scripture. And you're learning about what it means to be in Him and develop that life of eternal life. Jesus and you and the Father all meshed together, experiencing being lost in Him, fellowshipping with Him. Uh, you cannot tell the difference whether it is you or Him. You know, you're just in that place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I believe that God is actually building you up and uh, bringing you to a place where you know how to pray, where you know now how to believe for others and you are able to affect other people's lives. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? So sing, be merry, and pray, and trust God as... The word dwells in you. Whatever you ask for in Jesus' name, it will be given to you. He said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Imagine that. You are in him, the word dwelling in there, taking place and root inside you. Whatever you ask, it shall be done unto you. Isn't that amazing? That's John and... 15, um, I think is. let me go there. Give me a minute. Glory to God. You know, sometimes you need to just be happy for the various phases of life. This is a strange phase. But notice, six months are over. Hey, you're still going. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wonderful. Isn't that awesome? You can do this. It's you, you, you. If you abide in me and his word abides in you, you ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. God has not reduced in his power, even though the supply on the earth seems to be staggered, shaken, even though the earth realm is going through all of this, God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is full of power. He does not reduce the power of His word by one iota, one micro little bit. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one of His words to fail. Glory to God. This is the person we're dealing with. So, our prayer life is based on our understanding and the reality of the name and the life that has been given to us. You know, He's the head, we are the body. How important is the body to the head? Only the head knows that, right? See, if your head was chopped off, that's it. So that the actual value on the natural realm, you know, is from your head. Your head knows the value of all of these things. Jesus knows your value more than you know your value. You're very valuable to Him, like the head and the body. He cannot live without you. You cannot live without Him. Praise God. So He said, abide in me. Stay there in that thinking. Remain in those thoughts. And then, Keep the word on the inside of you. Let it bubble up within you. Keep speaking it. Think about it. Pray about it. And then he said, whatever you ask, it shall be done. Woo, glory to God. It shall be done unto you. It shall be done unto you. 
it shall be done unto you. I break the power of barrenness off your life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go to the book of uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 18. Observe there, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Woo, glory. The name belongs to us. We run into that name. Speak that name. In Jesus' name I'm healed. In Jesus' name I'm blessed. In Jesus' name I'm free. In Jesus' name poverty is broken. In Jesus' name barrenness is broken. In Jesus' name I'm blessed. That's your strong tower. That's where you're safe. Hallelujah. It's in the name. Glory to God. Peter and John used that name. They broke the power of that guy and he walked. And it was the name. They said, don't use that name again. They knew that it was the name. And you and I have been given the name. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. The believer has the same name given to him. Mark 16. Let's go there. We're winding down when a few minutes to go. Hallelujah. This is what he says there. Mark 16 and verse 17. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils. Hallelujah. If you can cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Then you can cast out anything that came from the devil. He's under your feet. He is meant to be cast out in the name of Jesus. In my name they shall cast out. Not in any other thing. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is full of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the life, the salvation, the light. Whom shall we fear? If God be for us, who can be against us? They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. Do you speak with new tongues? Hmm. If you do, the name is working. It should work in every area. They shall take up serpents. They shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. Even if they mix the thing and give it to you and say it is, this is whatever, poison, bacteria, and give it to you and you don't know, you drink it. Notice you don't know. You are not going to tempt the Lord here. You don't know. And they give it to you and you drink it. It shall not harm you. You understand what I'm saying here? The name of Jesus has made you immune to devils and anything that the devil has brought out there. They drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The name of Jesus. Speak the name as you go out. Speak every day in the name of Jesus. Release words in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says... God went to heaven. Jesus sat there at the right hand as God and man and worked with their words. Everything they said in His name, He worked with it. That's what He meant when He said in John 14, in verse, you know, let's go there. In verse 13 itself, I believe, He says, And whatsoever you shall ask in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This word means whatever you say in Jesus' name, it will be done. He would do it. He says, I will do it. 
that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's a demand. You are demanding that the natural realm, the demonic realm, whatever curse, lack, destruction, sickness, pestilence is out there, in Jesus' name you're making a demand, and whatever you demand, Jesus said he will do it. Hallelujah. So eternal life has this benefit because it is Jesus. It is his life. It is his name. It is fellowshipping with him. It is oneness with him. The same life, the same name, the same authority has been given to us. The same strength comes to us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you use the name, break the power of the devil, break the power of the curse, break the power of demons, of people out there, on the road, wherever you're going, use the name of Jesus. The life of God, the experience of that eternal life is in the name and in the word that you use with that name. It belongs to us. Let's use the name like you're signing checks. Hallelujah. God is a faithful God. I believe you're blessed today. I believe you got something. Let's worship this great King. Hallelujah. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Hallelujah. Oh, be blessed in the name of Jesus. Your people blessed in the name of Jesus. Whoever is listening, whoever is watching, blessed in the name of Jesus. Blessed in the name of Jesus. The curse is broken in the name of Jesus. Every demonic thing broken in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you are free. In the name of Jesus. The blessing is yours. Hallelujah. Jesus mighty name. Oh, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Today, Lord, we trust you. You are a faithful God. You will back your word. You will do what you say. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. Your name is our strong tower. We run into it. We're saved. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I know the power of God is working. I know the name is working. I know that life is taking full authority in you. Ha, 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 ha. It's dominating you right now. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. That you confirm the word. You unveil the word. You do. Exactly as it is written. We, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a good time to give as we are receiving in Jesus name. Lord we thank you for this opportunity to give today in Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. You're wonderful, Lord. It's you, Lord Jesus. It's your strength. It's your ability. It's your supply. As we give. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're using this also as a point of contact to those who are tithing or giving gifts. 
Father here mortal men receive, but there he that lives forever, he receives. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you that their gifts are speaking before your throne right now. Their faith is speaking in Jesus' name right now. It's come before your face. It's come before you. Heaven cannot forget it. It's coming back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The curse is broken. Lies are cancelled. The enemy cannot steal from them. In the name of Jesus, whatever they've lost comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Sevenfold restoration. In Jesus' name, a minimum of sevenfold. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that they eat the good of the land. They dress in the good of the land. They drive the good of the land. They live in the good of the land. Because they are your people. They are yielding to you right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You're blessed.